Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Every Thursday on Oilers Now for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction, service electrical, prefabrication, solar. We are joined by Kevin Weeks from the NHL Network and ESPN. Hello, Kevin. How you doing? Awesome. Great, man. Everything is good. How about you? What's the good word? You enjoy Nashville? Well, doesn't everybody enjoy Nashville, Kevin? Exactly. That's right. That's right. Now, on the tour, so making a way around the league, uh, would this be one of your favorite stops? Yeah, no question. And you know what's, uh, what's great is having the opportunity to enjoy it more in the broadcast side than it is a player. I didn't play in the West very long in terms of conference. I played the majority of my career in the Eastern Conference. So usually it was an in and out, or you might have had one day and it was the day before the game. But certainly had the opportunity to spend more time there, especially during their Stanley Cup final run with Pittsburgh. And being there, I was actually there about, what was that, a month ago, a little over that? for the outdoor game there as well, the stadium series. So it's been good. It's been so much better to be able to enjoy it a lot more than you can when you're coming into play and trying to grab those two points. Yeah, well, and they've built a lot. I mean, even in the last, like we hadn't been here uh, since March 2020. Drysaddle got four goals the last time we were here. The the orders bounced uh, Pecorini. Uh, they've built it, it, it's a bit like Edmonton like Edmonton's sort of being rebuilt under you know the, the, yeah. the ice district guys and uh, we've certainly Absolutely. you know we used to stay at that hilt right in front of the arena back in the day and there was nothing it was and it's been completely built around it's pretty amazing what's occurred here over the last 15 years or so all right Kevin speaking Absolutely. of goaltending uh, speaking of goaltending mm-hmm. how what is it with UC Saros like I mean we, when we think of goaltenders today we think maybe you know Six foot three and above, you know, you've got to be a bigger body. Um, you know, you got to be able to take away the upper half of the net because guys can shoot the puck today. You got to have tremendous. Saros is, is below six. I mean, he is, there isn't anybody else really like him in the NHL anymore, is there? No, I mean, Saros is kind of like a, uh, a 2.0 of Yaroslav Halak, let's say. Similar size, plays bigger than his size. Uh, very agile, great on his skates, looks bigger than he actually is, plays bigger than he actually physically is. And quite frankly, yeah, it, it, but the good thing about that is Euro Halak's had a really good, long, excellent NHL career. We know he's backing up uh, right now Thatcher Demko and Van, but he's, you know, especially coming down the stretch, he's had some good starts. But overall, he's had a really excellent NHL career. And I feel now with the way UC Saros is playing for Nashville, here's one thing to consider, Stop. You had their franchise great and Pekka, Rene, who had his jersey retired, who stands at a 6'7". 6'7". And then you have UC Saros who comes in at 5'11", and that's a generous 5'11 and a half. 
and he's putting up numbers that are comparable to UC to uh, to Pekka Rene, his mentor. So I think the way he's playing UC Soros, certainly for me and for a couple people that I've spoken to in the business, he is going to, I believe, redefine the way some people approach the position. Uh, where a lot of people think a goalie has to be 6'3 and taller to be an NHL goalie. Well, you know what's interesting, Kevin, is like he has a 9.22 uh, save percentage this year, and you're like, wow, he's having a great year. Well, he's got over yeah. 200 appearances in the league, and he's at 9.21. This is what he exactly. does. This is the range what of what he, he has every year, Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. It's what, he, it's what he does. It's who he is. It's how he plays. And he's so agile, especially when, it's, when he's down. He's got great flexibility. Most Finnish goalies do. Uh, he's not as glove dominant as most Finns are because a lot of them have that vacuum cleaner and they catch everything uh, where they can. You go back to Mika Kiprasov, Pekka Rinne, I can go on and on. But usually they're really good. They typically have good glove hands coming out of Finland because they play a version of baseball that they call Pasapalo. So uh, that kind of helps them. But for him, he's so strong in his lower body. And his ability to move side to side. And he doesn't, guys can't outreach him, which is interesting because his flexibility. But when you look at his size, you think, hey, I'd be able to reach around him like a guy like Leon. You know what I mean? Yep. Go forehand, backhand, and, and have my reach outreach his legs. But it doesn't happen. Very rarely, if ever. So he, it, what a seamless transition from a franchise grade in Pekka Rene to him. Not dissimilar to what we saw in, uh, here in New York with my man Henrik Lundqvist and ultimately Shishjerk and, and Georgiev. It's, it's impressive. Usually that's a steep drop-off from a legendary goalie, but as you said, this is who UC Soros is, and I think he's opening a lot of eyes around the hockey world in goalies that teams might otherwise write off because of their perceived lack of size or their lack of size. Uh, I think he's kind of rewriting that right now and forcing some teams to maybe change their approach to their scouting, especially at the amateur and pro level. Well, I mean, you know, obviously, in the, in the I remember the year L.A. finished uh, either first or second in the Vesna voting in the mid-'70s with Rogi Vashon. I forget who the backup was at that time. Might have been Gary Edwards. They were both, like, five foot nine. You know, like they were small yeah. dudes. I mean, Andy Moog was not a big goal. Andy Moog there, yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, Andy Moog, you had him there. You had Andy Moog there. Um, you know, Fierzy, Grant Fierce, sub six foot. Jose Theodore, sub six foot. Uh, you know, I mentioned Yaro Halak. There's a, a ton of other guys that I could mention. Mandy Legacy played in the league and had an awesome career. Freddie Brathway played in the league, played 254 games. I mean, and these guys that I'm mentioning, I played against all of them, and they were all awesome, like really good goalies. So um, Andy Moga just missed playing games, but obviously he was excellent too. So Eddie Belfort was barely six, maybe 5'11 and change. So these are some outstanding goalies that we just mentioned and two Hall of Famers in, in Eddie Eagle and, and Jersey out of, out of Edmonton there. So I think if you can stop it, and you're consistent, and you know your guys love playing in front of you the way they do for UC Soros. I don't think size is an issue, and I think that's why I have a feeling, just based on a couple of my conversations. But the deeper this goes, and you pointing that out, these are Soros's numbers. This is who he is. This is what he does, and he's going to rewrite some people's kind of internal thought processes on goalies for sure. 
I want to talk about one more guy with you, Kevin, and it's Dr. Demko in Vancouver. Um, mm -hmm. They're in a lot of games because of him. Like, there's some structural mm -hmm. flaws to that team. I don't think they have a great defense. Uh, and in fairness to Pedersen, he's, you know, anytime a guy comes off a wrist injury when he's a skilled player, I'm concerned. But oh, no the reality is they can beat anybody on any given night because of Demko and goal. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I mean, look, I remember when, when they drafted him and talked to my man, Ryan Johnson, who was my former Florida Panther teammate. We came in the league together, and RJ played for Van towards the end of his career for years, and he's a part of their front office. And he was telling me, like, we see watch this Demko guy. And I tracked him at Boston College and World Junior. I thought he was excellent, and he, he can steal games. I mean, listen, here's the big thing about it is when you have goalies that can – Steal games, that's a whole different level. When you have a goalie that can keep you in games you have no business being in, that's also a whole different level. And let alone when they're consistent and they make all the saves that they should make, that's also a whole different level. So Dr. Demko's been a game changer for the Canucks for sure. Uh, I'm glad that they stayed patient with him and they didn't rush him and they didn't race him out of town. They've done that before. And good to see them having the patience with him. It's, it's paying off in spades for them. And as you said, on any given night, they can beat any team just based on how he plays. He's that impactful. You know, I've spoken to Bruce Boutreau. He, he was with us on the NHL Network just before he got that job, literally for the last year and a half. And I've spoken to him since he's been in Vancouver, and he just he raves about him. So he's been awesome for them. No question about it. He's the one that, that has them back in the race right now. Yeah. 9-17 this year. He was at 9-15 last year. And that's a loose team that he's playing in front of. Like, they give up some pretty good opportunities. Mike Smith has totally. uh, gone on a 6-0-1 run with a 2.13 goals against average, 9.28 save percentage. And, I mean, all things being equal, let's just say Smith and Koskinen end up having the same save percentage. I, I would assert to you that Smith's puck handling ability might give him the inside track come playoff time. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that'll be huge. I think if Smitty can stay healthy down the stretch and keep playing the way he's playing, um, that could that could go a long way for him and for the Oil. No question. I can tell you that his ability to handle the puck, it, it's very, very, very helpful. And especially in games like the playoffs, because, as you know, I say this every year, and I say this from experience, it feels like the rink shrinks from 200 by 85 regulation to 150 by 50. <laughs> it feels like you're playing on one of those auxiliary rinks that you have at, you know, some of the rinks back home where they have like a smaller sheet for, you know, the younger kids and for skill development. That's what it feels like in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. You don't have time to think. You don't have time to breathe. You don't have time to make a play. So Smitty's ability to handle the puck, if he continues playing the way he's playing now, and his ability to catch the puck, as I said, you know he was a you know national softball player, or hardball player, I should say, baseball. So his ability to catch it and handle it, because when you can do that, you help to control the game, right? And, and also you can alleviate that pressure in the D zone, especially because, stop, you talked about this two shows ago. You know that the, the, the officiating gets a little looser in the postseason. They want the players to be the deciding factors, and the game's a little bit more physical, as you know, and a lot more intense. So if he can get some of those quick exits by his ability to get touches, uh, little sh shovel dumps to the D, little reverses, he plays it himself. He plays it as well as any D. So that's a huge, huge asset to them 
if uh, if Smitty continues playing the way he's playing right now down the stretch for the Oilers. Well, you know, the Oilers go Minnesota, Nashville, back-to-back, two of the toughest teams in the league, and two teams yeah. that put pressure on the defense, and Miko was in the other night, and I thought there were some moments where the Oilers had some egregious puck play in their own zone, and to me, mm-hmm. when Smith's on his game, he settles the game down a bit more. They have to be really specific. Like They do a lot of soft chips and soft dumps, uh, but... They don't care when Koskinen's in there because they know that he's not as effective handling the puck and it puts greater pressure on the D. So I look forward to seeing what Mike Smith does tonight. Hey, uh, and just, 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 you know, we've had a little bit of a discussion this week on Yessa Pugliarvi. He hasn't been able to, to finish some plays off. He's had lots of looks from Connor McDavid. And we've had a lot of discussion over what happened between Evander Kane and Ryan Hartman and the fact that Minnesota, you know, Hartman said afterwards, you know, they didn't have anybody in there and, you know, Kane was like, I didn't need anybody in there. I took care of, a... you know, I, I think there's a learning experience there for a couple of the younger other players that were maybe on the ice in that situation. But where are you at with that? Like, do you still believe you got to have a pack mentality, even if you're not? Like, Minnesota's a tough team. they got lots of guys that can chuck. The Oilers are, yeah. have the least fighting majors, Kevin, in the NHL. They have seven. Uh, tonight they're playing Nashville. They've got the most, 55. Uh, is there an expectation that you're going to, you know, stick up for one another, regardless necessarily of the personnel of the two respective teams? I think so. You know, that's, that's kind of akin to hockey. That's native to our sport, into the sport, where there is a pack mentality. I mean, you know, I played for several of the Sutters and finished my career playing in Jersey for, for Brent, who's back in Red Deer, as you know, as the owner. But um, they always talked about that. Dwayne always used to talk about that in Florida when I came in the league, too, uh, with the Panthers. Dwayne Sutters used to bark that, and his name, his nickname was Doc, as you know. So Brent, his nickname was Pop. People talked about it. You know, obviously Daryl's doing it uh, down in Calgary from you guys. You see how tough their team is now. So I, I'm always a big believer. You you know you have a fan in me in that stuff because ultimately it's a family, right? And, you know, you have siblings and you're going to school and people mess with them or you have your best buddies or, you know, cousins or whatever. You step in there. You're, you're getting involved. So it's no different. I thought it was a little weird but they don't have the personnel as such right now, the oil that they would have had, or they put it this way, that Calgary or Minnesota has. I would then also say that uh, Evander Kane's right. He can handle himself. No question. He's one of the toughest guys in the league, especially pound for pound. Very tough, excellent fighter. But at the end of the day, you got to stick together as, as a pack of, of wolves, as they used to say, and as Brent Sutter used to tell us. You got to be a effing pack of wolves out there. Got to stick together. Um, you know, they come at one, they come at all of us. All that stuff. I mean, you learn that stuff in Pee Wee. So, yeah, I, I think that could be a lesson learned for the Oil going forward, and and realizing, especially because Evander is a key piece for this team. I mean, you know, I, I was talking to his agent, Dan Milstein, during this process and before even signing with the Oilers. And I know how much the Oilers wanted him. I know how much Connor wanted him. I know how much the open-mindedness of Kenny Holland helped get this over the line. And it's been a great move by the Oilers so far. So you also have to have guys step in there for sure. Evander can handle himself against almost anybody in the league, but on a go-forward basis, any one of those types of instances, you need guys to to step in and, and be around there and have a little bit more of a Wolfpack mentality. 
Well, I'll tell you what, the next time you talk to Dan Melstein, have another conversation about, uh, hey, let's have a realistic term rate for his uh, uh, compensation moving forward because he's been a pretty good fit here at Edmonton. All right, Kevin, one more for yeah, you, a little a fun here for you. When you played and there was a, there was a line brawl, was there a goalie you're like, oh, no, I don't know if I want to get involved? I mean, I, 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 did you end up playing much against Ray Emery or was your career kind of over when he was kind of getting yeah, established? No. Yeah, Razor, Razor. Yeah, we we didn't play against each other very often, but he was super tough. I think as tough as Razor was, bless his soul. Sean Burke might have even been tougher. I think Burkey, like Burkey's a big, lanky, shredded Mike Smith kind of man. In his yeah. build, maybe a touch more muscle mass, but very similar build to Mike Smith. And as you know, he's the one that helped Mike Smith take his career to the level that it's gotten to based on their time together in Arizona and Phoenix, the Coyotes. Um, But I would say probably Berkey, although I knew him since I was a young kid growing up in Toronto, so he was always good to see. He probably wouldn't have bought me, but he'd probably be the one tendied out at the other end that I would have been like, all right, I'll do this, but mm, I'm not sure how this is going to work out. Usually when that happened, did you end up just joking around with the goalie on the other team? Yeah. You know what? Unfortunately, even in the minors, we never had any team brawls, and in the show, we never had any that, that got full-scale Battle of Alberta style, like you guys have had several times, like Smitty and Talbot, for example. But, uh, yeah, depending on who it, depending on who it would be, and, and you know this too, stuff. I mean, you grew up playing. You know a lot of it depends on what sets it off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what, what's, the, what's the firecracker that set it off? Is it just intensity? Or did one of their guys run one of your guys? Did he cross-check them from behind? You know, I, that's why I reference like Battle of Alberta or think of like Avalanche and uh, Detroit, Detroit stuff, right? Yeah. So think of think of Ozzy for what happened to Drapes for Cole Lemieux, cross-checking Drapes face first into the boards, and then think of Ozzy and and Patrick Waugh or Vernon and Patrick Waugh or whatever. Usually that was so combustible, those games, and there was <laughs> the rivalry was so nasty that those guys, yes, we know they would quote-unquote do anything to win, but those guys ran dirty too. You know what I mean? So if, a, if something gets set off and one of your guys gets a freaking forearm shiver to the chops or a cross-check to the back of the neck or something or an elbow flare to the dome, then that sets it off. And when it goes that way, all bets are off. Anything can happen. Kevin, great stuff. Love the perspective. Thank you for joining us here on Oilers Now. Anytime, buddy. No problem, my man. Hope everybody's doing well back in Bird and enjoy your time in Nash Vegas. Well, we're here for about seven more hours. Hopefully uh, they end up leaving with a win. But thank you very much, Kevin. Great stuff. That's Kevin Weeks from the NHL Network for ESPN. And, and uh, his appearances are brought to you on Thursdays by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication, and solar. We'll tell you that uh, Japanese Village is open to serve you to any one of their five Edmonton and area locations. Try the legendary Wagyu steak cooked right before your eyes. Reserve now at jvedmonton.ca. We'll step out. I'm going to bang off some texts when we return on Oilers now. Mike Smith gets the call tonight for the Edmonton Oilers against UC Saros, one of the best in the entire National Hockey League. The vehicle pipeline is moving. 
And our friends at Brent Ridge Ford finally have a few units in stock and more on the way. Check with Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny and the gang. See if they got the right unit for you. If not, they can still order one to the exact specifications that you want. But hurry, because the order bank is getting full. If you want to be treated fairly when you buy a vehicle and get outstanding service, call the gang at Brentwood Ford, 1-877-477-Ford. That's 1-877-477-3673. Brent Ridge Ford, your Ford truck authority on the Auto Mile in Wetaskiwin. As we get into the Oilers Now prospect report, brought to you Tuesdays and Thursdays here in Oilers Now by Scott Arthur Millwork. Custom cabinetry, luxury closets, exceptional millwork. Visit scottarthurmillwork.com today. Here's Brendan. Okay, Owen Power, we'll talk about the college exodus today. Owen Power played just under 20 minutes in his NHL debut for Buffalo against the Leafs on Tuesday. The first overall pick from 2021 had a hit and blocked a shot in that 5-2 win. He's coming off 33-point season with Michigan. His former teammate, Kent Johnson, played about half that much in his Blue Jackets debut last night. Uh, over 11 minutes of ice time. Carter Savoy's Denver teammate Bobby Brink had a helper. Two shots on goal and two hits in a 9-2 Flyers loss. I kicked off his NHL career on Tuesday and then uh, game two last night for him. Uh, a dash two in a 4-0 loss. Will we see Carter Savoy sign in the next little bit? Is he the last possible remaining well, college guy too? Here's here's the issue with Savoy. Is that Dylan Holloway and Philip? Uh, when they signed, they did not burn years. Uh, Holloway signed an ATO and then ended up, you know, and, and as it turned out, suffered an injury. But um, and so I'm, I'm that's obvious. I, I, I think Savoy will be coming out of school, and I think he will end up signing with the Oilers. And the question is, will a three-year deal kick in next fall, or will they burn a year between now and the end of the year? So, and and that also plays a factor in how much space, cap space, the Oilers theoretically would have to potentially recall one of uh, Philip Broberg, who's closing in on return. They're looking for more, a little bit more detail and information on Dylan Holloway, by the way. So just might not be back this weekend. And then, uh, or Stuart Skinner. So there's some complications that have arisen here uh, with uh, Carter Savoy, and it has to do uh, with the push from the agency to get him, uh, to get the orders to burn a year. All right, 130 at Edmonton. Jack Michaels. We're going to have a, we haven't had Jack on for a while. I want to talk about favorite stops in the tour and get some thoughts on the orders when we return uh, from the Oilers Radio Network and NHL Hockey and Rogers after Global News Weather Traffic Update. Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.